Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Now... Let's move to, to number two. Would you say that's pro? What would you say number two needs to be? Well, I think uh, for hunters, you know, hunters would probably even say that uh, their sense of smell would be their most important sense. And, you know, I think it could be argued that, you know, that and vision both could be co equal number ones based mm -hmm. on a given need. Uh, obviously, they need to use their nose to find food and to, and to detect predators. Uh, but their eyes are also used for, for, for similar reasons. It's, you know, it's avoiding predation yep. and really, you know, a whitetail senses, you know, all have one thing in common and they all have they, every part of a whitetail's being relates to one of three things. One finding food. The other is not being food to something else. True. And the third is, is finding the opposite sex to make more of themselves. Yep. Well, everything, literally everything that a whitetail is geared to do really directly assists one of those core bodily functions, if you will, or survival functions. And so the sense of uh, smell has been a debate for hunters forever. And, you know, it doesn't take long if you read a lot of the outdoor, you know, articles to find some writer who's put a number on it. Mm -hmm. You know, deer see 72 times better, or sorry, here, sorry, smell, uh, you know, <laughs> 100 times better or 1,000 times better or whatever. The, the reality is we don't know. We cannot measure that. There's no way to measure that. Yeah. Um, what we can say, and and uh, Dr. Carl Miller at the University of Georgia has pioneered, you know, really a lot of this uh, the scent communication and, and the understanding of, of scent communication in whitetails. One thing we do know is that that little black thing at the end of their head is not really their nose. That's an opening to the nasal passages. That's all it is. And if you take a cross section of a deer's head, you'll see all these little circular tubular type things that we call sensory epithelium. They're basically nasal passages that, that are lined with what we call sensory epithelium. Mm -hmm. And that, all that means is 
a lot of surface area to detect molecules. Okay. That's what, what it means. And it, all of this is many, many fold greater than a human's. In fact, we would be an embarrassment by any standard to almost anything on the earth as to how poor our you know, ability to smell things is. It's pitiful. Thank goodness we are a predator and that, you know, we're not having to, you know, we're mostly a predator of other mammal type things. And we can, you know, so, so at the end of the day, you know, our nose isn't as, as necessary for survival. And that's why we've evolved as we have with a very poor one, a deer, a dog, you know, whatever. These are things that need, need a, a great, a greater ability. And so what we found also is that the, uh, the part of the brain that, really is wired to the nose affects immediate behavior and immediate behavior can tell a deer, you know, that's food, that's enemy, that's danger, what, what have you. Uh, so they communicate with other deer, obviously through glands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so deer have, we have identified seven glands in the whitetail. Uh, three of those we think are super important and four of them either are unimportant or relatively unimportant. We think, but the three that are most important are the tarsal gland, one on the inside of the deer's back legs that they use yep. to communicate all kinds of things with. Uh, the interdigital gland, the one between their hooves, which allow other deer to determine which way they're walking or a predator. That's how they do it. They leave a scent trail. Um, and then finally, the forehead gland, the glandular region uh, around the base of a buck's antlers, which is under hormonal control. So these things are used to deposit scents in the environment. In the case of rubs, rub trees, bucks will rub this forehead gland all over those rub trees. A lot of hunters don't know that. But they think they're just rubbing their antlers, but no, they actually rub the forehead gland. That leaves a scent that um, using trained dogs, researchers have been able to show lasts for at least a week on a rub. Wow. Um, tarsal gland by far is the most important, we think, because it's kind of the signature of that animal. It's their driver's license, if you will. Um, bucks, does, and fawns all urinate on that, uh, on that gland. Um, and what's interesting, a lot of hunters don't know this, but the tarsal gland, the smelliest part of a deer's body, a buck's body anyway, um, does not produce any scent of its own. Really? The tarsal tarsal gland is just a sponge. It's a wick. It's built to grab and hold urine and it created a great environment for bacterial decomposition Uh of urine. So what hunters are smelling is decomposing urine is what gives it that rutting odor. It's a very complex process of how that that structure is built, certain specialized hair types and internal processes of water-soluble compounds and all kinds of crazy science to get to a perfect environment on the inside of a deer's legs that holds, captures urine and allows certain communities of bacteria to live there harmoniously and to create this wonderful thing that we call the rutting odor of a buck. Um, Suffice to say that things like uh, streptococcus, staphylococcus, some really bad things live there. Really? Yeah. So be careful when handling a a rutting buck because many bacterial communities live there, including some of those that are pathogenic to humans. Okay. Uh, So, so just be careful, wash your hands. Don't eat a sandwich. Don't take a plug of tobacco. After, uh, after handling a tarsal gland. Um, <laughs> that's a good safety notice right there. I mean, that's uh, that's why you always cut those things off before you even open up the deer. 
Well, I, I don't do that, but I, I do um, at least pay attention to them as I'm uh, as I'm removing them. Just if I get them on my hands or something, I want to wipe it on the meat that I'm going to be later eating or something. Right. Uh, just just be careful. Um, so you know the, the the sense of smell, um, you know, really is is one of those that uh, you know hunters will debate until we're gone. You know, how far can a deer smell you? Uh, is it 200 yards? Is it 400 yards? Is it a half mile, a mile? Answers we don't know. Uh, we have no way to measure that. Every hunter has been busted at least two or 300 yards, I can assure oh, yeah. uh, regularly. But I think under optimum conditions, if the wind speed, the temperature, the humidity were all right, you know, and you were a really, really stinky human, <laughs> uh, you know, you could possibly get busted out outwards of a half a mile, I think. But again, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is watch the wind as a hunter and, and you know, be, be vigilant there. Keep your own scent to a uh, to a minimum. Uh, you know, I am I am what you call a, a semi concerned scent freak. Um, I'm not over the top. Um, you know, so I, I do wash my clothes and scent free stuff. I hang them out. I watch the wind. You know, I try not to get any any, you know, Burger King smells on me from the drive through <laughs> on the way or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not the person who's changing clothes three times or, you know, doing that over the top. I don't run the, the scent control systems. That, you know, there's a limit to my gadgeteering that I'm willing to, to put into my hunting and teach their own. Um, but, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, I get the question a lot about, well, should I, you know, urinate out of a deer stand or not? Is that going to spook the deer? And the reality is, you know, there's no real clear evidence one way or the other. There's never been any science on it. Uh, to any great extent, but I, I can say that I personally have done that uh, many, many times. I have personally urinated in deer scrapes. Many, I was many just times. about to bring that up. And, and that generally fires up the scrape. Uh, yes. In fact, one research project done in Texas mm-hmm. uh, many years ago by Dr. James Kroll uh, was looking at the uh, attraction of different off-the-shelf urine products at mock scrapes. So he went to this, had his graduate student go buy a bunch of this stuff off the shelf, mm-hmm. your normal dough and heat kind of urine products. And then he also, for kind of grins and giggles, um, after he had his four or five commercial products, the the next one was graduate student urine, where he had his graduate student pee in the scrape. And then the other was um, new car smell, which was a spray that makes your car smell like it's new. Yeah. And then the last one was water, just, uh, in, you know, an empty scrape. And that apart from the new car smell, that one didn't didn't work real well. But the human urine was just as attractive as any of the off-the-shelf products was in that one study. And even the bare exposed soil with nothing in it but water was pretty attractive in and of itself, just the evident the presence of a scrape area in the right location mm-hmm. in the woods. So I you know, I, I personally don't think there's much risk of of alarming deer. And, and, and what I take with that is, is a couple of things. One, do deer know human urine from other predator urine out there? You know, they have regular exposure to coyote urine, bear urine, bobcat, whatever the predators are in their area. They Those animals are peeing in the woods every day. Yeah. And we don't. You know, they don't encounter a lot of human urine, by and large, in the woods. Do they have the ability to determine that's human? I don't know. What I do know, though, is that um, – predator-prey relationships are such that when a prey animal finds a predator's poop or pee, you know, the research has shown that they they typically consider that where a predator has been, not where they are now. Uh, it's just like if you're walking through the woods and you found, you know, bear poop, you 
it wouldn't immediately alarm you that a bear was right there. You'd say a bear has been here. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to be a little more cautious. If you walk along and you find a rattlesnake shed skin, you, you don't go, oh, crap. You know, there's, well, a rattlesnake shed his skin here. Oh, I maybe be a little more cautious in the area. So I think it may increase your caution a little bit, but I don't mm-hmm. think it tells a, a an animal like a deer that a human is right there. And also, you know, once you urinate in the woods, every second that passes, that scent is starting to dissipate. Okay. There's volatile compounds that are coming off. There's volatile compounds and there's stable compounds in urine. The volatile ones are leaving the scent real quick. If you're still up the tree, your body is never stopping to emit human scent. So, you know, your, your scent profile is just as strong. The last second you're in the tree, your urine is getting less and less strong every second. So, you know, I say all that to say, Hey, if you're a bow hunter and you're super fanatical about scent and every little thing matters and you're the one willing to go to the lengths of, you know, of changing clothes in and out of the field and running your, your ozonics and all that, then yeah, you might want to pee in a bottle. Yeah. Um, other than other than those type of hunters, and most of those are bow hunters and they're hardcore. Mm-hmm. Again, I, you know, I'm not knocking them. Um, well, well, the average hunter doesn't need to worry too much about it, in my opinion. Right. I mean, heck, like last year was my first time to hunt out of the state of Texas, and uh, I was hunting with Josh in Nebraska, and we were doing all day sits because we were hunting in the rut. And you know, me being naive to it, I was like, man, like growing up in Texas, you you don't take a leak by your stand. So I'm asking him like, dude, like what do I do when I got to take a leak, man? Like we're doing these all day sits. He's like, dude, just right off the ladder. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man, just do it. The deer don't care. And so I did. And I had a little spike come right up underneath our stand, just kind of sniffed around on it. And then I made a mock scrape the next day and took a leak in that. And I had an eight point at it that morning. So that definitely, disproved something that I grew up thinking anyway. But a question I wanted to ask you is, you know, we're talking about urine isn't necessarily um, a, uh, an alarm for, for the deer, if you will. So what about like, you know, like these, the Tink 69 special rut, the, the special golden estrus, like those, those doe and heat scents. I mean, are those actually working or should you not waste your money? Well, um, you just happened to hit the very subject I did my graduate research on. Um, huh. and that's how a buck determines a doze in heat. Is it her urine? Is it, uh, the secretions from her reproductive tract or is it something else mm-hmm. or is it some combination? And the, the quick answer is, and, and a lot of this dates back to the, 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 the sort of original logic from hunters, the hunter culture the hunter lore came from the fact that deer hunters observed bucks going up to where does had peed and performing what's called the Fleeman or lip curl behavior. Yep. So a buck during the breeding season, almost exclusively to bucks, almost exclusively during the rut, find where does peed and they come up and they lick that, that urine, they tilt their head back, they scrunch up their nostrils and they create a vacuum pump and they do what's called the Fleeman or lip curl response. So, and they're doing that to urine. So you're saying, all right, that's got to be it. That's how that buck's telling that doze in heat. And it makes sense. Yes. But unfortunately, I was taught early in my science career, sometimes science can get in the way of a good story. And that's what happened in this case. Uh, and so Dr. Carl Miller, again referenced earlier, 
uh, and several of his students, including some of my research, we kind of delved into this subject. And what we found about this special process, this lip curl behavior, is that it is bringing urine into a deer's sixth sense. Talk about deer having five, the same five senses as humans. That is true. Mm-hmm. They have a true sixth sense. And it's not their ability to spot you sitting motionless 20 feet up a tree with the wind in your favor. Um, this is a true sensory organ in the roof of their mouth called the vomeral nasal organ, the VNO. And it's a diamond-shaped pit. Next time you shoot a deer, look in the upper hard palate, the upper roof of its mouth. Okay. You'll see a little oval oval diamond-shaped pit. Clear. It's easy to find. Um, and it's kind of where that peanut butter sandwich gets stuck in your upper palate mm-hmm. when you eat the peanut butter sandwich. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, our butter finger. I hate you know that. You got to get a good glass of milk for that. Yeah. So that's the spot where you look in the upper palate. And so that that pit is where that buck is sucking that urine into. Okay. So by him getting the urine off the ground and he has to tilt his head back to get the most efficient pathway for that gland to work that urine back to the back of the brain where the processing occurs. So the processing occurs kind of back at the back of the eye um, of the deer. So it's, it's got to travel back down this pathway. And, you know, when that pathway was traced, it didn't go to the part of the brain that could tell a buck was in that a doe was in heat. It didn't go to the part of the brain that controls behavior. Hmm. It went to the primitive part of the brain that controls the secretion of reproductive hormones. Ah. So what's happening there is that a buck, when he finds that urine and he's tilting his head back and doing all that, he is not determining her estrus status from that. He is in fact taking a daily dose of Viagra. It's priming his system. It's keeping him hot and heavy and in the mood. Uh, so, you know, we've all seen rutting bucks. They're, they're lunatics, right? Yes. Uh, they're going 24-7. They're just, I mean, they're wide open. And it's a combination of two things. One, an incredible surge of male hormone testosterone combined with this Fleeman behavioral response that keeps priming the pump. So you've got a guy on Viagra and Red Bull. Um, you know, and 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 in in the most you know most reasonable explanation in human terms, um, but that's why you that's why bucks do what they do, and so it's necessary to keep that doe primed, or sorry that buck primed and in the mood for does. This is Viagra's Red Bull and <laughs> oh. That's a good but, one, I mean, man. That's that's what's going on, and you know, nature created its own system for this. Yes, it did. Uh, now, you know, if we only had two weeks of the year uh, to to breed, you know, I don't know, maybe Viagra and Red Bull is the answer. <laughs> but um, um, but uh, anyway, we won't go there. No. Um, so so what we know based on the science is that deer are using their main olfactory system, their nose. Mm-hmm. Their nose does attach to the part of the brain. It's a parallel. If you kind of look at two parallel pathways yeah. nose goes to the, the the part of the brain that controls behavior the vomeral nasal organ below the nose it's inside the mouth it goes to a, a part of the brain that's below the, that it's an older part okay. of the brain so they both have a direct purpose we know a buck is telling a doze in heat from the scent in the air now the scent is concentrated from her reproductive tract from her vaginal secretions that is the source of this magical elixir of estrus mm-hmm. 
It is so strong that a buck can smell it in the air at some distance. We don't know exactly how far. Is it is some of it contained in her urine? My research would suggest probably not. And okay. if it is, it's so low that it's not really that useful. Okay. Because I looked at at estrus uh, urine in terms of uh, I put it on. We had taken a bunch of does, taken out their ovaries, so they couldn't create any odors themselves. They had no natural hormone secretion, and we would anoint them with different types of urine and vaginal secretions, bring bucks in there and monitor chases and behaviors. It's, you know, a lot of behavioral deer research. And we just couldn't get any significant response to the estrus urine. However, when we introduced estrus vaginal secretions, bucks chase them at a, at a statistically significant rate. So so clearly the, the scent of estrus is contained at least primarily in the doe's reproductive tract uh, on her at all times, if you will. Um, and there's a lot of behavioral research that confirmed that. So then do these scents, like I, like I spoke about earlier, do they really truly Absolutely. Work? Now, that does not mean uh, the fact that science would not support doe and heat urine okay. being a source of attraction to, to deer. Urine itself is a source of attraction. Okay. So, you know, a deer encountering, and I have used them. I have used the real thing back in when I was a graduate student, when I was collecting actual doe and heat, real urine. Mm-hmm. I was playing with it in the woods as a hunter. And I've had some deer follow my scent trails, you know, right to my stand. Um, we, the science doesn't suggest that that's how they're telling a doe's in heat, but Hey, it's a doe. It's a doe in my area. Maybe a doe that I'm not familiar with. Uh, so that does not mean at all that, that urine products don't work. Okay. They just may not work for the reasons the hunter may think. So I know the listeners might be thinking this, hearing that from you and hearing that you use it, is there a particular scent that you like to use or specific? Actually, brand? I don't, I don't use much scent. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I, the only places that I use scent now are when I'm bow hunting and when I need a deer to take its head away from me. So, for example, if I've got a, uh, a deer coming down a trail left to right or right to left in front of my stand location, and it's going to be side on as it's walking to me. Mm-hmm. If I try to draw, I'm likely to get busted. Yeah. So what I do is I put some, uh, some scent on the opposite side of the trail. So as it's walking down the trail, it turns its head away from me. Allowing so this, you to get drawn back. on the other side of the trail for me and the deer. So it's me, the deer and the, or sorry, me, the deer on the trail and then the scent on the other side. So as the deer's walking along, let's say I'm to the right of the deer. I want the scent to be on the other side of the trail. So the deer has to take its head and move it back. To, it'll stop and allow me to, to draw. And it'll also take the deer's eyes off of me as it checks that, that scent source. So it gives me the bow shot that I want. Uh, so I'd use it very effectively for that. But other than that, I don't use scents currently. Okay. Well, cool. All right, y'all, there you go. Another end to a Field on Friday's episode. And we just want to thank Brian Murphy for hopping on with us today. Going over part two, Deer Senses, part three is next week. We really appreciate y'all tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.